we've got to do a little introduction to this one, haven't we? We do. Yes, because um, since we did it, we've agreed to do something which we don't mention in it, but which is relevant to it and which we, is important to talk about. That's right. Yes. yes. What is it? We're doing a gig on the 6th of May with um, the Mystery Fax Machine Orchestra, and they will be playing, and they will also be accompanying us um, on strings and brass and... Um, all no, you're not really selling it. What we're, what we're trying to say is that we're doing gig on when? The 6th of May. The 6th of May with a full orchestra. Basically, Which yeah. is going to be like the best gig we've ever done, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't come to that, then you don't really like us and you should stop pretending. Yes. You yeah. don't get to say, if someone says, oh, what obscure cult bands are you into at your university or whatever it is you do with your life? And they say, and you go, oh, yeah, the Indelicates, and you don't come to this gig, then, then you don't like us and you don't get to say that. You have to say Coldplay or, um, or one of those bands. Yeah, it's going to be astounding. If you don't come to this gig, you're Coldplay's number one fan. Unless you are Coldplay's number one fan, you just happen to like us as well, but I can't think that's possible. It is possible. There are rules, though. There are bands you're not allowed to like at the same time as liking us. It's a mutually exclusive arrangement. Do we have that on a list somewhere? There is is a list. It's on the wall of our house, remember? It's like the big list, uh, the hate list, (laughs) it's called. It's got little pictures and and it's darts in it and also... Little spl- blood splashes and stuff. Anyway, that's not relevant. Point is, May the 6th is what you've got to come to it because not only will you see us, you'll see Martin, who you're about to listen to a podcast with, um, with his orchestra and us and an orchestra. Like, and I, can't, I, I don't need to dress that up. It's an orchestra exactly. with us. Yeah. Like us plus an orchestra. Even if you hate us, orchestra. Yeah. So All those times you heard an orchestra on the album or strings on the album or anything like that, you'll be able to hear all that live. So you have to come to that. We're going to put you follow us on social media. We'll tell you how to buy tickets to that. And uh, enjoy the podcast with Martin. Oh, I should probably tell them where it is. Yeah, you should. Oh, it's going to be at the Bethnal Green Working Men's Club. Yes. You should come. You have to come. Yeah. If you live far away, you think people say, "Oh, people go, oh, can you come come and play near my house?" No, come to London and watch this gig. It's going to be I really can't say this, emphasise this strongly enough. You have to come, and it's going to really annoy me. It's going to be don't. amazing. You have to come. Anyway, listen to the podcast. It's got Martin White on it. He's bloody good. He's bloody good. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> That's the problem with accordions. Yeah, unexpected. <laughs> podcast! Podcast. I'm in the wrong place. I can't be here. So okay, we'll move, move somewhere yeah. where you can be. I'll move over here. Maybe I'll do it all standing, like Russell Brand. <laughs> yeah, no, he does, doesn't he? He does it standing. Does it all standing? And Jeff Floyd does that as well. Is that right? Mm. Yes. Yeah. He's a stander. We have with us today Martin White, who is a music- musician. <laughs> a, a <laughs> she always does this thing where she a looks magician. up on the Wikipedia oh. and then reads it out. Oh, in no. It's really no, no, I'm just, I'm just going to give a little overview. English musician. <laughs> I am I am English, correct. <laughs> Do it as a form of quiz. Comedian. Don't just read it out, just ask him if it's true and, and, and or, or test him on his, on himself. Oh, okay. Oh, tell me something funny. <laughs> no, no, ask it ask it in the form of a question. So, where what have you got? Uh-huh. Right. So, what what band do you front as well as performing solo with an accordion around the London comedy circuit? Fleetwood Mac. Wrong. Oh. See? <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah, no, I don't know what to do now. Well, I, I was going to read, read out. Anything. Okay. Go on. Um, white. White. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is white. Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> also fronts the Mystery Fax Machine Orchestra and the Karaoke Circus Live Band. He performs jingles regularly in the comedy podcast Answer Me This. Is that still going, Answer Me This? It's still going. It's still I going. recorded some jingles. I went down there for... Uh, an afternoon about four or five years ago and um, made up some jingles which apparently 
um, they still use. Oh, excellent. The podcast itself is still going strong, I believe. Yeah, it Fantastic. is. I've, I've believe I listened to it a few times. I know Lydia was listening to it for a while. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, if you hear the accordion on Answer Me This, that's me. Excellent. And you've done stuff on Absolute Radio as well, haven't you? I Yeah, I, I uh, co-presented the Dave Gorman show for three years. Excellent. Um, I'm sure we fun. listened to that. See, this is a mistake. Why have we invited him? He's going to show this up. <laughs> the appalling <laughs> um, ramshackle operation. I'm, I'm, that I'm po- podcast royalty, mate. Yeah. I know. This is terrible. Is That's the, these are two podcasts that are like probably in the charts on iTunes. They're on the, over on the right. We'll, we'll never be on the right. The Dave, Gorman one, uh, <laughs> the Dave Gorman one isn't anymore. But um, that... Uh, that no longer exists. But, if it did, it but it's still there, but you can still go and back and listen to it. It's one of those ones that's probably still in the chart, like the Ricky Gervais ones, that's still in the chart, even though still, it doesn't exist. It's probably still bubbling over somewhere. Yeah. They're, they're good fun as well. well I, used to, I used to write a song every week um, based on what people, the stories people had sent in about their lives. Mm-hmm. And so I would, like the last 20 minutes of each show, I would... I'm sure I've heard this as well. I just didn't know you at I, the I would, time. I would sit there and write a... Write a song every week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're, they're all still there on the podcast. Excellent. They're a lot of fun. And is the main thing that you do the Mystery Facts Machine Orchestra? Yeah, in fact, I've sort of cut a lot of other things out of my life yeah. um, in order to be able to concentrate on doing that because it was one of those things that uh, ended up becoming a bit too much of a sideline alongside yeah. all. You kind of do you take on other commitments mm. in the belief that they'll help sort of build up some kind of profile, but then they end up taking up all of your time and then the thing that you mm. took them on to support and end up becoming the main thing that you do. There's always a danger, isn't there, that you'll su- that something that isn't really what you want to do will massively take off and you'll become suddenly, overnight, immensely famous for something that wasn't the thing you wanted to do. And then, because it's Britain, everyone hates people who do something else, when you go back to doing the thing you actually want to do. This is this genuinely is a worry I've had. It's, it's, wor- it's, it's weird. I, I kind of... A, a lot of sort of what I've done that I've ended up enjoying... Um, has happened as a result of being sidetracked. So, mm. for example, um, back in 2005, I quit my job in the city um, to become... Uh, I always wanted to be an animator. Yeah. An animator. So what I always loved, and uh, I always wanted to, to, to do that, and I always regretted the fact that I hadn't gone to uh, to art school and uh, mm-hmm. or film school or anything like that. And I, and I thought I'd try and sort of kickstart, sort of put together a showreel and do all of that. And um, But um, a couple of months previously, I bought the accordion on a whim mm-hmm. and then weirdly the, the animation thing never took off at all right. I, did, I made short films sent film festivals nothing you know absolutely no mm-hmm. response whatsoever but all the accordion stuff was going well I'd found some weird niche there and mm. I, I would uh, my, I had a cabaret act um, where I would just do uh, you know uh, cover versions of I'd do Britney Spears or something like that you know <laughs> on the accordion that kind of thing and, uh, you know that's you know people like that kind of thing they do that's so, one thing um, they like because it's yeah and especially you know you kind of do the gigs in uh, in the West End and you get a lot of foreign tourists in and, and yeah. it's something that everyone finds sure. funny you yeah. know, as long as you've heard of the song it's, it's a, a bit of a campfire instrument as well isn't it your accordion like yeah it, it is, people gather around it and stuff which yeah, is, yeah. Which is and, quite and, and also everyone everyone thinks that the accordion is their national instrument yeah. as well everyone <laughs> in the world I think people yes. are fundamentally suckers for presentations of one song in a slightly yeah. in a form that they're not. It's, it, it works as comedy with the accordion, yeah. and then. It, but if you do it with it with a breathy female vocal and an acoustic guitar, yeah. it works as a way to sell music to advertising. It is. I ended up stopping doing it because I, you know, um, as as Marcel Duchamp, you know, said, you know, he mm. stopped he stopped doing the ready mates because it had become too easy. You know, it was yeah. it was. And besides, everyone else was going to continue to do them forever. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, so you know, he, 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 you know, re- re- repetition is always dangerous. 
from Z, which is yeah. which is a, a watch. Actually, you probably said it in French, didn't you? Repetition. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then the person said, "Sorry, what was that?" And he went, "Repetition is always dangerous." Then why did you say it in French in the first place, Marcel? Pretentious. Get out. That's how it happened. That is your real name. Yes. Yeah. Duchamp. What does that even mean? Marcel the champ. <laughs> just, that's a ridiculous name. Just, what are you the champion at? Because of the field. The jury neither. Anyway. Probably. Yes, uh, they probably um, but I was being ignorant in the... In the in, I know in it the means airplane. field. Does it mean field? Anyway, I stopped, I stopped, I stopped doing... I, I, I then stopped doing that because, again, I felt, hang on a minute, this isn't, this, this isn't me and this isn't self-expression. Mm. And um, it, it, it had become... I, I started to become very paranoid about the, the, the culture of something you've heard of with a twist, um, mm. which is... Uh, you know, perhaps a recession thing or something like that. that people, right. people won't buy into something they've that they don't have some connection to, or that, that, mm. that doesn't have some element of familiarity to it. You yeah. know, you go into the West End, and you know, all the shows are all based on a, a, an existing yeah. success of some kind. They're so all based on a famous. It's very yeah. disheartening. Oh, it's incredibly jukebox musicals, and oh, uh, yeah. and and if it is an original musical, in quotes, it'll be an original musical based on a famous thing that's yeah. already got some. Some precedent. Not to say that that can't fail as well. There was that Lord of the Rings musical, wasn't yeah. there, that, that sort of came and went. But no, yes. it's not. It, it, Viva Forever didn't do Viva Forever well, didn't do well. Did yeah, so, so it's not. But, Hope, but, but I'm hoping that means that they'll just they'll stop with that. But you know, what was the last? What was the last truly original thing you saw? Well, that's it. Isn't it? It's very difficult to think of what's. A, I mean, has there been a true, an actual original musical? Because I, mean, I suppose look, people are people. I mean, the Book of Mormon is based on the Book of Mormon. <laughs> Matilda is based on a book. Yeah. So Matilda's based on you know incredibly successful children's yeah, absolutely, book, you know yeah. by very famous you know, so there's there's a and I think there's a lot of there's a lot of originality in that musical but it's, it's still uh, based yeah. on something I mean the musical I'm writing is based on Paradise Lost that's quite famous gosh so it's and an Elvis movie it's, it's not just it's not all just Paradise Lost I'll tell you about that later yeah. um, wow Paradise Lost the musical yeah it's sort of I don't know because I'm sure I'm supposed to talk about that. I, I don't care. That's yeah, you can talk about, about it. Yeah, so it's because it, this is the thing that I, when I was doing my this is I've had this idea for the last ten years and I've always thought one day I'll get round to that idea and I didn't actually get to it. But the basic plot of Paradise Lost is the same as the plot of Dirty Dancing, and I think this is an insight that needs exploration. I've never seen Dirty Dancing. Well, it's one of those okay. weird films that everyone's also, seen. Also, like, in that case, day off and um, also the same plot as the Vanilla month. Ice Vehicle, Cool as Ice. So Which I've um, also never seen. It's very good. You check it out. It's, uh, it's, it's Do you think they were influenced by Paradise Lost, or is this a connection that only no, you see, have identified? No, my theory is that you have. Um, this is quite an involved theory, but my theory is that throughout his- the history of literature, you've got the satanic as a force in. Um, the kind of biblical and the, the you know through, throughout Shakespeare and stuff, and the satanic is this is an evil thing. It's just something which is wholly in the negative column. And then you get Paradise Lost, which kind of flips that on his head and makes Satan very interesting and appealing. Mm. And so Satan in Paradise Lost is this sort of awesome. He's like rocking, rocks up. It's like yeah, fuck you, God, I'm Satan, and I'm gonna take yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna totally twist all your your paradise out of order if you don't mind, Mr. BBC. He's very punk rock. And he comes in, and that kind of is the moment in culture where the satanic flips from being a wholly negative to being the kind of cool, positive rock and roll rock. Okay. And I think then, once that archetype is established by Paradise Dust, it then develops through Byron and the Romantics into the kind of dandyism of rock and roll. And you end up with a figure like Elvis, who is pure satanic, in that it's all about rejection of prevailing norms. And everything cool about Elvis is the rebellious, like, rebel without a cause stuff, which is just the rejection of prevailing authority, which is just awesome and cool. But it is all based in the satanic Paradise Lost idea. So I think when you get movies in which awesome rock and roll swaggering figures stroll into established authorities... Um, and then by 
sheer power of sexual chemistry managed to upset the prevailing authoritarian impulses of the society and remake society as a kind of age of, you know, it's, it's like the, the Cyrus Isis, the age of Horus then is ushered from the new, that kind of business. When you, you have that story, which is the story of Paradise Lost and is also the story of most Elvis films. And so I think I've been, for the last 10 years, I've been planning to turn them into a kind of Hawaiian Elvis musical wow. version of Paradise Lost. Yeah. Right, it's for the stage. Well, I am, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, because it, cause obviously we've done a concept album before, and that, but that's very much an album, but it's, yeah, we, we'd like to do it as a show. It's daunting, it's a bit daunting, because it's but not. My point is, that is based on a famous book, <laughs> so it's therefore. But are you gonna, you're not going to call it Paradise Lost the Music? I was going to call it Paradise Rocks. That's a good idea. Yeah. Mm. So I've been watching some Elvis movies to try and get to grips with it. It's, they are all exactly the same. I love those Elvis movies where Elvis has just been filmed in a studio like in one day mm-hmm. and then just keeps cutting back to like the location shot where you only ever see Elvis from behind, like, <laughs> like in the distance, running across the road and then it cuts back to Elvis against a, a back projection <laughs> yeah. again in the studio and they've done it all in one... They've done all of his bits in one day yeah. and everything else has been done by a second unit. Yeah. Ideally, my musical would use that. <laughs> you do that same... Uh, <laughs> Because you wrote... Um, now, film musical. I miss film musicals. You don't get film musicals. musicals. I mean, you get the Disneys, you know, but it's yeah. live-action film musicals. Yeah. Ludicrous Ken Russell film musicals. Yeah. That's, that, that was what I wanted the David Corris thing to be. There's a screenplay for It was all for supposed to be a, a, a Ken Russell ridiculous overblown... But no one's going to pay for that to be made. It's just well, not going to happen. Like. It, depends, it depends how high your standards are of the production values. You know, if you, if you get... Well, I want Can to set fire to a pier. Right. <laughs> you want to what? No, it's just that's about that's well, about you can, yeah, computers. Yeah. You can do these things, special effects in computers, yeah. quite quite cheaply. Now. Actually, we probably could do it animation. It might take a while. You could do it as a cartoon. I think that would take quite a long time. time. Yeah. 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 Neither of us are particularly... Musical well, you took to Edinburgh a few years ago. I've, done, I've taken two musicals to Edinburgh now really? with, um, uh, with Danielle Ward, um, who was also my co-presenter on the, mm-hmm. on, on the Dave Gorman show. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she you know, wrote the, the book and the lyrics and I wrote the tunes. Right. Uh, we did one in 2007 called Sister Psycho, mm-hmm. with the, both of the P, Sister Psycho, which is a kind of late-night knockabout romp, very sort of panto. It was a... Uh, set in a <laughs> it's about like a robot nun I love all musicals to... where the premise you have to preclude with by making yourself laugh <laughs> right, yeah, like, like, a guarantee that it's good <laughs> self-effacing chuckle <laughs> but uh, um, it was a uh, uh, yeah, it was about this, you know, it was about, and, and and there was an interesting thing because the title came first, and I think it's very very difficult to come up with a title for something after you've written it. Yes. It's incredibly difficult because you're never happy with anything. Yeah. And um, Danielle came up with Sister Psycho because she thought it would be a funny name for a thing, and then worked backwards from there, thinking, right. well, okay, Sister, so she's a nun and and she's a psycho, and she's going to take over the world and write herself. Yeah, exactly. And it, <laughs> I, I think it did, and um, uh, and uh, yeah. And, uh, Girl is, is is sent up from the village to join the convent, and it turns out the convent is run by this sort of robot killer nun. Spoiler, <laughs> and uh, the uh, um, and and you know, and, and she meets, uh, and and the robot nun has a has a son. I'm not I'm not quite sure how she had a son, but she's got a son. She's called, a robot called Billy Psycho, who turns out <laughs> and it turns out all along who he was Elton John, and <laughs> and at the end he sort of reveals himself. That it does it's a, sound a bit like that, Tommy, that in fact the, it? that in fact the subtitle of the show is 
Sister Psycho or Elton John, the story of my life, and <laughs> and, uh, and so and it had lots of very very silly songs, and um, <laughs> that should definitely be a film. That yeah. would, and, and that's something I remember thinking would make a good animation. That would be that would make a good cartoon. But um, you'd need, and, I think you'd want it'd be like because you know in you probably don't in the SpongeBob movie, which I've not seen. There's a there's a real life cameo by. Um, Oh, uh, German fella brought you know who's the guy German fella brought ended communism in East Germany um, Hasselhoff Hasselhoff German, yeah. oh right okay. he ended communism in East Germany he sung his song about freedom on the wall that's, yeah, that's, how that's one way of looking at it yeah a lot of people not <laughs> Dave, a lot a lot of people who aren't David Hasselhoff would say it had something to do with like economic migration no it was it was Hasselhoff there's a big anniversary coming up isn't there as well there is. uh, but apparently he's not going to be involved which I think is which a is disgusting shame. disgusting <laughs> and, and, a, and, a, and a, an affront to history on all levels <laughs> I'm just going to briefly Sorry. stop and tell you a joke. Okay. Um, David Hasselhoff goes into a bar and says, can I have a pint, please? And the man says, sure. And he goes, yeah, okay, but before you give me that, while I'm in this bar, I'd like you to refer to me exclusively as the Hoff. And you know this, don't you? Do you know this? Yeah. Oh, well, just, well, just, just leave it. No, no forget them. If ever, we all know it. You don't even know the And the barman says, yeah, no hassle. Yeah. Yeah. But That's you like see, if you delivered joke. the punchline, it would have been fine. Whereas I always tell jokes by telling people the punchline. Yeah, first. but everyone. I'm, I'm taking my current sample is you two. You both knew the punchline, so I'm assuming 100 percent of people already knew it. Yeah, it's just my favourite joke. It's a good joke. Anyway, so doctor, I think I'm going deaf. What are the symptoms? They're that yellow family on television. <laughs> uh. Very good. Julia, do you have one? Sorry, no. No, my mine are. Um, too inappropriate. Yeah, don't tell any ah. of the jokes you remember. No, I only ever remember the really inappropriate ones, and all other jokes I just remember that the punchline. Like so I say, it? "Have you, you heard only... that one about the right. punchline?" Insert punchline. Now, yeah. what I have now? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, you know the one about the chicken you wanted to get to the other side. Yeah, yeah. That's well, okay, it why did he? Yeah. It's like a ridiculous joke dyslexia or something. It's, it's... This is the idea we were having yesterday. It was about we could have a, a, sit, a sitcom, right, where all the seventies nonces have to share a cell. Oh. Right, no, it'd be brilliant. It would be you three people. Yeah, so <laughs> Savile and Max Clifford and um, who else is it? Rolf Harris now. All of them, but they have to share a prison cell together. And and it, and then Japes ensue. No, Glitter would be a guest star occasionally because <laughs> that, that what would that would happen is I'm, I can see it, I'm sensing some resistance. Hmm. But what would happen is they'd be sort of they'd be coming up with some scheme to like annoy the warden. And they'd and Savile would be like, oh, but the one thing we need, who's going to be the leader? And then there'd just be these boots behind him. <laughs> I think I can sort you out with a leader. And then that would be Gary Glitter, and then the studio wants your audience would, would oh, clap. Boy. Now, in Edinburgh, that would, that would be that would be a, a runaway success. That's exactly the kind of thing I was thinking prime-time BBC Festival. One. Really? That's a sort of, yeah. The, the, <laughs> in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if there is, you know, like, this, this August in Edinburgh, there'll be a You Tree the Musical. Probably. Yeah, probably. We did. We have been to Edinburgh. We we supported Amanda Palmer, and then we did the Book of Job musical, which is some other musical, which is it was probably Palmer. Was, she's um hit the headlines. Or, <laughs> she's she's, she's <laughs> sort of uh, they, when, when was this? Oh, that I've, was um. I think it was two. Yeah, I know. I saw on your thing. That was thing before that was, um, before the um the headlines. Which ones? There've been a few. Haven't she guested at a Mystery Facts Machine Orchestra show. We did in Edinburgh as well. In fact. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I saw. Yeah. Oh, you've done. I mean, you've done a lot with a lot of people. You've done lots and lots of things. Yeah, people. It's good. It's amazing. I've been ticking off the heroes. Yeah, just, just, yeah. yeah. All the, all, all the songwriting heroes. She, uh, yeah, she, she does get in the press, Amanda. It was a good show. That that was a good show. The the Joe show was great, but um, I I didn't really enjoy it. I didn't enjoy. You did a whole run. 
No, we no, just, we did, just one. did the one. We were, we no, were there, we were there for nights, the band. We nights, but we were there mainly for the band, so we kind of thought well, we can take okay. the shot because we've been doing the show for years and it was kind of a. And we'd done it, like we did Cheltenham Literature Festival, we did a bit, and like a few shows in London, and Brighton Festival, a couple of years running. And we, where we did proper runs, and we thought, oh, we have this show, we might as well just get and somewhere. So we're going in up there anyway to do um, this. Yeah, get some more mileage out of it. Yeah. But it was really hot, and it was really late, and it was kind of, it was like the level of heat that people can't laugh. Because they're just, like, too, they're just too hot, and everyone yeah. was too hot. And, like, and they were everyone, going, everyone enjoyed it, we didn't have any problems, but it wasn't fun. I mean, it definitely it didn't die. Like, People loved it, and it was sold out, and yeah. it was good. Yeah. But at the same time, it was just kind of—it was just think, a bit of a slog. I think because we because we'd done it so well and easily other places before, it just it felt a bit like oh, this isn't. Fun. Well, my favourite—I I think I, said, I might have said this on the podcast before—but there was a bloke in the um, in the audience who just thought his heckle was to say "Go on, Job." It was about Job, mm. but he started that, and he was like, "Yeah, it's a fair heckle in there, saying go on, Job.' Brilliant, good." And then he would keep doing that, and he'd do that sort of maybe every three and a half minutes throughout mm. the whole two-hour show. <laughs> it's a long show, it's like, a, not two hours, but like within four, so it's like an hour and a half. Mm. And he did that a lot, including during like the really quiet, serious bit where everyone's supposed to go, oh, this is more than just a comedy. And he was going, go on, George. <laughs> he didn't understand. And, and that, so that was, that was funny. And he came up to me at the end and goes, hey, it's me. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry, I can see the audience with the lights. And he was like, go on, George. I was like, oh, that was, that was you. Punch. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for that. Yeah. He was, he like, was really pleased with himself. He was so happy. Work, by the way, I shall be in tears. He's like, why have you done this? Why have you <laughs> done this? They think they're helping. They think they're helping. Yeah. He did. He thought that he'd helped. Yeah. People but, heckle. They think they're supposed to somehow. Yeah. Again, in a sort of Tourette <laughs> sort of way, they, they they have to blurt it out. They, 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 they feel awkward if they're not contributing. This is why I... Because I, I used to go to comedy nights and I had to stop because I, I find the sensation of of feeling bad for the bad comedians oh. just just makes my heart just it makes it ache and I, I actually physically can't have be you the died on stage um not not very often weirdly now, the thing about the the accordion because of, you know as a musical comedian there's, mm. there's there's something disarming about that and you, you're not quite as prone to a stage death I've you know, I've, I've had bad gigs yeah um uh but um, the, 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 if you go on, you're kind of immune in a way because you, you sing the song and it's got jokes in it. Mm. And if no one laughs, you've still sung a song, you know, yeah. and you've still done something that's, that has a kind of an inherent entertainment value. If you're a comedian and you go on and you tell jokes and no one laughs at, you've, you've just failed completely. You yeah. can't say, well, at least I went on and told some jokes because the joke is only, telling the joke is only 50% of the effect. Yeah. Doing a song, doing a song is more like 75, 80% of the effect, you know, it's, because... Because you're not quite as reliant from a timing point of view as well. You know, you're not really waiting for a laugh necessary before you can play the next chord. And people can also, if they're not into it, can talk and probably yes. not be heard with yeah, the music and, sometimes. And, not, and you won't be as distracted by people not paying attention or, or talking during it. Yeah. I've done it once. The, the worst ones are the ones where I've been completely out of my depth and, and um, I've been on bills. I did a... Um, gig years ago I got booked to do a big gig up in Leicester and I was on mm. a bill with Jason Manford Richard Herring Russell Kane and, and, and me you know I was yeah. I was so out of my depth and I, I to be honest it was my own nerves that probably right ruined it because mm. I, I I was so intimidated by the, the company that, yeah. that, that I was in mm. uh, yeah, yeah, never got asked back and and that was that wasn't and but oddly enough every time I went back to Leicester since then with other with other projects I would get 
quite a lot of people because right. it was a big gig and yeah. so it hadn't gone as badly as I thought it had who would come yeah. because they'd seen me and they'd yeah. enjoyed me right. so yeah. even when you think you've done badly yeah. um, it was more it was more professional embarrassment as well because of course I had to share a car, share a lift back to London with oh, Richard Herring and everything like that right. and, uh, and, and um, just the yeah that's that, that that's embarrassing, but yeah, the, as a musical comedian, you're kind of protected um, definitely from, I mean, from I, that. I used yeah. to do um, performance poetry years ago, and I remember I, I had one gig where I tried to do I tried to do something else, and it was like I think I tried to read to like tell a story in a pub or something where I, and I kind of it just was there was the one time where I've gone on stage and has been dependent on like and literally nothing, and I was like, oh, this is actual permanent death this <laughs> is whatever yeah, this is is, is, is something because you know i had obviously you have bad gigs and you have good gigs but like this that was the one time where i've kind of oh i'm actually dying and this this is really horrible like oh god Ooh, this is one, the worst thing worst one and this is the worst kind of gig to do as a corporate i did a um i did a gig for the launch of a new wallpaper um i was booked to do it and it was it, it, they've got no right not thinking things are funny <laughs> they've got no business and it was at the um it was at madam jojo's you know, you know yeah, the venue the, and it's got a really high it. stage it's got the, the stage and yeah. the people are sitting way beneath you mm-hmm. and you're, you're on this sort of strange raised stage and it's, a, it's an old room to begin with and the people who are on your line of sight are so far away from you because they're, they're at the bar on the sure. other side of this sort of abyss yeah. business in front of you and i went on and i the um the MC, who, who sort of rather sort of inexperienced MC, um, uh, came up to me and said, "Oh, you know, how, how are you feeling, Martin?" I said, "I said, well, to be honest with you, I'm a bit nervous." Uh, and then she went on and announced me and said, "Okay, the next act, he's a bit nervous." But, <laughs> oh, oh no, no, don't say that to oh, them. No. And um, and I went on, and my act was, um, and I've no idea why I did this. I, I I'd, I'd done it, and it had gone down really well at, at, a, at a gig that week or something like that, yeah. and I was feeling. Hi, you know, yeah. I would say it was a new thing, yeah. but it had gone really well, and I thought, how can this fail? Yeah. Judge for yourself. <laughs> it was, um, <laughs> it was me doing. I'd, I'd set um, uh, pose the raven to music, right, and um, sang it, but I, I did it as a drinking game where I had a bottle of Lenore, um, <laughs> and every time Lenore gets mentioned, I do a shot of Lenore. It wasn't really. It was, um, uh, uh, but the, yeah. the, and this is this is this is an interesting thing. Is it's, I, I cleaned the bottle out. As best I could. I mean, I really, really sure. cleaned the bottle out and and put uh, milk that I'd put um, a, a drop of blue for food colouring into, yeah. and put that in instead. Yeah. But the smell of fabric conditioner never leaves the bottle. <laughs> so what you can do is you can you you can you can then give it to, and it's just you know it's not going to kill you. Didn't I'm still here now yeah. to tell, and I did that act quite a few times. Um, but you can give it to you know someone in the audience or something, and they and they'll, they'll take one sniff of it, and they won't even bother right. to try it because yeah. it just smells of fabric conditioner. Yeah. Sure. So so that, that was an act I did a few times, but I did that there and um and suddenly the weirdness of me doing that of of, of pretending to be drinking fabric conditioner and, and acting like it was rotting my insides um and being ignored whilst doing so i i dried up completely and i just kind of i i, I just kind of stopped Mm. I got about halfway through it, and I just kind of stopped and walked off the stage, and no one noticed. Yeah. That was bad. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, that just came back to me. I'd forgotten all about that until you were saying about uh, just, well, I, that. Was I, that was a bad gig? I was once. I did once. But good money. So. I was, I was booked, uh, again. It's always when I've been booked to yeah, read exactly. out, read out things. I was booked to read out stories, and it was like in a venue in Brighton, and underneath me was a very loud band. So it was like two floors, no soundproofing or anything between them, and I was sat behind the DJ behind the decks. In the dark, right, 
while a very loud oh. punk band was playing through the floor directly oh, beneath me. And they were like, do you, do you want to go on now? And I was like, well, in what sense will I be on? <laughs> Is that a, rather than just yeah, a man yeah, yeah. muttering in a corner <laughs> while unamplified in the dark? And they were like, just, just do it. And I, was like, I think that was the one time in my life where I've got up after five minutes of like a 20 minute set and just gone... I, there's no one's I'm bye <laughs> I'm never coming back yeah. here it was like it was, that was really bad but that was kind of I don't I don't feel to blame for that in the when, way that when the like audience can't see your face that's very difficult I did a gig um, playing the uh, I was playing piano and the, but they, it turned out un, un, unexpectedly that they couldn't move the piano onto the stage mm-hmm. and I had no other I, I, I hadn't brought another instrument sure. and, and I had to sit and the audience just couldn't see me so they were just mm. hearing they could see the piano just at like one little corner of the piano sticking yeah. out from backstage and me invisible behind it um, oh and, and that's you can't engage at all yeah. when, when you can't just I did. we did a gig once in Germany where um, we were supporting Art Brute it was on one of their tours and um, I speak German and um, we, we finished our set and I went out to see my cousin who's German and I hadn't seen her for maybe 10 years or something so I was like oh no we were not that close family but you know you make connections and stuff and um, I talked to her in German and a guy at the bar who was watching us had figured out that I was speaking German and decided to come up to me and explain to me in German why I was the shittest thing he had ever heard and that I needed to go to rock school and that I was, but like he, I think Gosh, he was, I think rude. he was really, but he wasn't, it wasn't like sort of, you know, just gently mean to a girl. He was a psycho, like he would properly, he was, I think he was high because his eyes were rolling all over the place. And um, I think my cousin was just like, is this normal? Does this happen to you all the time? And I was like, mm. no, not really. This is really strange. You were really upset. I was really upset because it had never happened to me before. I, I, I mean, people being mean is fine, but people being extremely horrible to you having calculated that you can take it in German so that all the other German people can listen in. Uh, um, putting on a bit of a show of it. Yeah. Gosh. Uh, yeah, so that's probably, I think that's the worst gig experience I ever had. That was pretty... Yeah, pretty well, in front of going. someone you haven't seen for 10 years. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 it was a bit <laughs> like... <laughs> so <laughs> how's, the, how's the music career going? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, pretty much. That is, it was really Quite embarrassing. You know, it was really oh, excuse like, me, I've got to talk to a fan now. I'm just going to sign this man's T-shirt for him. Oh, this has not worked Exactly. You'll probably get a message in a couple of years. Lieber Julia, I am very sorry for this. I'm going to my therapy. Yes, my RR commandante. The RR commandante. I'm going dot or dot. Apologising for my past misdemeanours. I would like very much to apologise for my conduct during the gig. Just slagging off Germans now by doing the voice, aren't we? No, it's fine. Well, that one, that one yeah. particular German deserves it. Yeah, and and the other, the other, um, and the rest of his race for birthing him. <laughs> yes, um, the other gig we did a gig um, in Vienna, and Austria is is, I didn't know this about Austria, but Austria has a tendency to be a little bit more misogynistic than other places, really? which I had not experienced before, and I'm not like. I'm told by my friend. I went to Vienna for the first time uh, last summer. A very nice place. It's. it's uh, I've it's been there fan. loads of times. <laughs> I know. Everyone was so nice to me. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They kept privileging me. They kept privileging me. Yeah, over women. I, got, I got to go in front of women in the queue. It's great. I got on the bus. This lady stood up for me. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, the, um... I'll, I'll be going back. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
actually that's a bit like when when fellas say oh you <laughs> know midge you're always going on about <laughs> going to like going to like i don't know the worst place for women in the world in the middle east is fine and you're like yeah but you're a fella and you don't yeah, have to yeah. wear a, a you know a burqa and cover your hair and stuff is probably totally different i will say supposedly supposedly your view of this this misogynistic thing wasn't just like my friend who was a eurocrat working in vienna for years would tell me stories about things which are just like things like people being interviewed for jobs and they say what does your husband do and stuff that would just be immediately illegal in the rest of europe is illegal in austria but is kind of well you know just part Let's of, not be uh, silly about yeah, you this. You see, my mum is just from, Vienna or from Australia Vienna. in general. I think it's Austria in general to so an extent. But. I'd never experienced this before until... And I'm sure there are many, many people who are not. Like oh, yeah, it. totally, but totally. I think it was just... Not a new experience this in, in what form? And um, in... The, the sound guys, and this wasn't the first time it had happened, <coughs> but it was the most extreme time it had happened, um, didn't know, I didn't used to tell people that I could speak German just because I could listen in. And if there was a problem, I could kind of gauge what kind of problem it was and then say, I can speak German, let's sort it out, no problem. Um, it's very useful, that. And um, I didn't tell them. And the sound guys were at the desk talking about how it wasn't... That having a piano in a band was just not rock and it wasn't right. And, you know, what stupid... <laughs> stupid maidle, I think they call me, which means stupid little girl mm. playing the wrong... You know, but pretty nasty, nasty kind of stuff. Like, And um, I told Simon this was happening and I told and Simon's brother yeah. also. And... Um, then Simon's brother decided to tell them to fuck off in song. It wasn't so much that, it was that my brother, because it was one that was like the middle of a tour, so we'd been on tour for a while, and everyone was getting a little bit frayed at the edges. Mm. And no one was really sure quite where they were. It was very cold, and it was like, it was the middle of winter, very cold, and very lot of snow, and it was kind of, everyone was just feeling a bit mad. And my brother came off stage and he goes, Simon, during, during the song, right, you know when I was stood on the, uh, on the monitor, and I was like, yeah, I remember that bit. And he goes, I just looked at that sound man, right? Right in the eyes. And I went, fuck off. <laughs> Doing the sign of the horns. And I was like, Spending oh. my honour. I was like, ow, well, why did you do that? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> and I think that was the day when we just, we'd all just lost it. <laughs> the thing is, I'd be completely fine with someone having a problem with a piano in a rock band. or I don't, I don't care. What it's a conversation think. you can have, isn't it? It's it's a, it doesn't, in the slightest way. I think it's just that... The, and I'm not particularly sensitive to that kind of thing. I generally get on better with men than women, so I, f- I find that it's not something that I'm, you know, I don't have a serious issue with it or anything. But it was the level of cruel language that was kind of like, oh, you have a serious problem with this stuff, don't you? This is not it was just a silly little being... girl and the kind of the sound checking everyone else first and then sort of like cursory. Oh, and I suppose you want to do your piano or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that kind it's of thing. It's just a right. piano. It's not that weird. It's in <laughs> Vienna. I think there's a lot of pianos in yeah. Vienna. Quite famous for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> We should um, have you play a song if you are ready okay. to and would like to. Um, okay. Well, um, on the on the, the German theme of things, um, uh, I did a show called Ma- Master Flea based on E.T.A. Hoffman's book mm-hmm. Meister Floor, and I don't count that as something you've heard of on the trip because no one's ever heard of the book. I've so... heard of the book. Have you? Yeah, I did. Um, oh, I, I did a short course in. German expressionist drama and all sorts of things like that. So I read a lot of German things, and also Mum's got it, I think, in her house. Oh, it's a terrific book. Um, it uh, obviously predates the expression set. Yeah, yeah. No, bit, I, but, um, I, I had to do lots of preparation because sort of my German wasn't good enough. So. Late romantic thing, but I, I did German literature at university, and so I sort of picked up a lot of these sort of things along the way. Mm. And it's um, good, isn't it, German literature? It's fantastic. Yeah, love it, love it. It's really stayed with me. It's sort of it does stay so with much you. of what I've done since then yeah. um has come from that in in some way 
um, but uh, uh, but yeah, we did. Um, I always thought of it. I remember thinking it would make a good sort of animated film or something. It's way ahead of its time. This book is it's absolutely crazy. It's about parallel universes and they, all of the fleas get employed by this evil flea tamer to build tiny microchips. It's about like nanotechnology mm. and wow. full of all sorts of extraordinary science fiction ideas. It was written in, in 1820 or something yeah. like that. So, um, uh, but uh, it ended up, uh, instead of doing it as a, a cartoon, I thought I'd at least do it as a musical and we put it on as a show at the Square Theatre Ooh, getting on for two years ago now gosh is that long ago yeah about two years ago and um very and narrow then, stage though isn't it uh yes well we did we did it in the downstairs room it was just like a okay sure it wasn't in the not ever been on the stage I just remember being at shows and going that's a narrow stage it, it, it's a this isn't relevant strange shaped room but, the, but no we did it in the little down in the little studio space sure. downstairs downstairs and um and then recorded it as uh um, as a sort of concept album, mm-hmm. uh, much in the same way as you, you know, mm. sort of, you know, yeah, you sort yeah. of have the, the idea, and then you know, it has to find its way out somehow. And then yeah. and if you, you know, there was never. There's... Did you think? Because I, I just to, we can talk about that a little bit. It's like I thought concept albums. I very specifically chose concept album for hours, and it was it was never a musical because I thought, and I had a reason behind it, and I thought concept albums were such an inherently ridiculous thing mm. that I was able to be really serious. Mm. In the musical, because like the David Koresh thing, it's like I, I don't think you can write that if it's a hundred percent serious. I think that would be a ridiculous and very pompous thing to do. But I thought like there was enough inherent stupidity in the idea of a pompous concept album. What that because it, of the because the, you history, know, concept, the history of concept exactly albums. concept albums are a fundamentally silly form. But like I mean, one that I really like. But there's sort of there's there's a kind of inbuilt not taking it seriously because it's quite inherently pompous. Yeah. So I kind of felt like I was able then to take it really internally seriously. Right. Without having to... So, I mean, what I mean really is just do you, when you decided to go concept album, was it, could it have been lots of other things or was it always a concept album? No, no, like I say, it was, it was, it was going to be a cartoon. But first. I mean, so of what course, I, was, I mean, I when, really, when it became the final thing, but were you thinking... No, well, oddly enough, it was going to be... I was going to make a different album which was going to be lots of sweets from imaginary concept albums. So it was going to be right. out to take... Cause there's, but uh, as it turns out, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all of the ideas, I'm actually going to do all of them. Right. So it's taking forever. But um, uh, I, I thought it was much more fun to make the real thing you know, rather than the, the extracts. Is it something that you envisioned having having action in between the songs? Well, it does. the The album has it's got narrator Kevin Eldon um, mm. uh, narrating it, so there's little yeah. bits of talking between mm-hmm. the the songs. Um, not as much. I mean, when we did it on stage, it was you know an hour and a half long, and sure. and, and had all kind of performances and acting and uh, mm-hmm. and, and various layers of story going on right um and uh and the album sort of just has like little bits of narration but what i, I imagine i was doing not so much a concept album but uh, a film soundtrack sure like a soundtrack album that you might right. buy um from a disney or something like that but i thought i'd do a song from that um although this is a song that, what, that wasn't on the album so this is like a a sort of um deleted scene or something like that cool the the novel master flea ha- has a sort of sub story in it where there's a um, there's, a, there's this, this weird flying man um, that they see outside a pub, and they're trying to figure out who they are. And um, and someone says, "Oh, it's probably the the Saxonhausen tailor." And everyone says, "Who's the Saxonhausen tailor?" He goes, "Well, I'll tell you." And then it kind of goes into this sort of like sub story, you know, in a slightly different font, where he does this entire other story about the Saxonhausen tailor. And um, and the, at the end of it, they decide it's probably not him after all. But it's this really long digression, <laughs> and that just so that they can establish that that's who it isn't. So it's a yeah. funny bit. So well, that's, this, this is this is that kind of like story within a story that didn't make it into the thing. This is the uh, the story of the the Saxonhausen tailor. <laughs> 
Now gather round, gentle folk, hear ye a tale of a man who worked hard, who was poor and was pale, a maker of suits, a tailor indeed, nimble with thimble and master in tweed, a man of the cloth, a man of the Lord. The Saxon housing tailor, it's true, did crave quick schnapps before lunch as you do. T'was the Lord's holy day, so his wife she was wary, but still he went off to the apothecary. A friend of the tailor's, a friend of the drink. Schnapps, schnapps, such mishaps because of schnapps, schnapps, schnapps. The apothecary was out, his apprentice was in He sought out the schnapps and the wine and the gin But that foolish apprentice, alack and alas Plied the poor tailor with helium gas A bottle of gas, a bottle of air Schnapps, schnapps Such mishaps because of schnapps Schnapps, schnapps well, the tailor he blew up just like a balloon And it bounced off the ceiling and all round the room The apothecary burst in through the door with a shout The window blew open, the tailor blew out Into the sky, higher than high Up, up and away, fly away star Sailor tailor, going, going Up, up and away, fly away star Sailor tailor, going, going well, they heard nothing of him for many a year And his wife and his children shed many a tear And cursed that poor tailor for craving a schnapps For alcohol's one of Beelzebub's traps then up in the sky, away up high, it a firefly, or Jupiter, or burning air, a dragon, or a meteor. Then down crashed the meteor, onto the town. Gouged out a crater where the people looked down Then along came the wife of the tailor Who knew the remains of his belt And charred tongue of his shoe That poor burnt up tailor That poor burnt up tailor Schnapps Schnapps Such mishaps because of schnapps 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 such mishaps because of schnapps, 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 schnapps. Such mishaps because of schnapps, 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 schnapps. Such mishaps because of schnapps, schnapps, schnapps. It's given me one of those situations where it reminds me of something, and if I say what it is, I have a feeling you'll be insulted, but I mean it really positively. Okay. Because <laughs> I really like cats, but there is a bit in cats where. Cats? The, not, the, the awful Weber Android Webber musical, right? Where they has, it, it, all, it does a complete digression about a completely separate story. Oh, I see. So what the you mean. Battle of the Peaks and the Pollicles or I've something. Never, I've never seen which it. is, well, it's, 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 it's sort of terrible, but that bit's really good. <laughs> 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 it reminds me a bit of that, and, and I'm sorry.
But, um, but, in, but I mean happy association. I mean that in a really good way. But I just, if I think if I just out and out said it, that would have been that would have sounded like an insult. But it's really not because it's wonderful. I think we should all be hired by Disney. We're much better like, than um, oh, that'd be the dream. I'd love to. I'd love to. Yeah, Disney soundtrack. so would we. Too, I that's mean, my that's like the thing. ultimate thing we'd like to do because. I, d- I honestly don't know any other people who are better. I don't think Randy Newman is good enough. No, like like <laughs> I think he does it. Like wrong. Even um, some of the Princess and the Frog songs, like they're nearly there, but they're not as good as 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 the people that I know would be able to do. Definitely, like yeah, it's funny. It's like it's it's sort of, and you can tell because audiences they like it, but they don't like it in the same way that they like to be. Do, do you the like Beast. Beauty seen... and the Beast? Had I mean, all, these all, songs. All, all, all my music just... is, is basically for children. That's that's, mm. that's I write for, I write for myself as a child. You know, yeah. I, it's still kind of seventies children's albums exactly and stuff like that. Okay. I, I I write the kind of stuff that I would have enjoyed listening to when I was little. Yeah, mm. me too. Me too. Um, I Apart from some of the more. Um, aggressively, <laughs> but the, the stuff that I want to write is all. You know, it's yeah, because I really think the thing I may need. To, what I really want to do is write musicals, and then kind of the band is there too. I, mean, so I like the band. Well, then you look at yeah. yeah concept albums, you know, and Andrew Lloyd Webber. You know, talking about Andrew Lloyd Webber, um, Evita and Jesus Christ Superstar were written as concept albums, yeah, yeah. which were the, you know, and then it was the, the, the because they thought because it's much easier to make a record than it is to trust yeah. me to put on a. Stage musical, sure. the, yeah. the, the, the one we did after Sister Psycho called Gutted, mm. and that was done, you know, thinking because Sister Psycho had gone well, do something, you know. Uh, so I'm more, so I'm more familiar on with an ambitious scale. Because I was following a lot of people on Twitter who were in it. Oh so, right, so well, very uh, aware, aware of it. The whole I'm time sure we have a mutual on. friend. Uh, Jim Bob was in it, and yeah. um, uh, he, he was in, in your musical as well, and uh, yeah, um, to, to a lesser extent, but yeah, absolutely. Um, it was, yeah, and, and, and a b- bunch of comedians, and um, uh, that was a, a very, very difficult experience. What was it? Because I really, cause really, 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 my, fun impression, to write. my impression as someone not in Edinburgh was that it was going terribly well and was a wonderful experience. How funny. Involved. That, that's how I that's how I assumed it was, so it, yeah, it was, a th- yeah, it was, um. It's really, really hard work. It's very difficult, mm. and it really makes you appreciate good things because we win it. it I, I, well, I was, I was MDing it, so I was, I was on, I was on stage every night. Right. Um, oh man, the, the, and you know, talking about like bad gigs. The, the show <laughs> opened with uh, it was a sort of a, a it was like a kind of country house murder mystery type <laughs> thing, and um, it opened with uh, it's a big song. It's, Couple getting married. It's a, a, a wedding at a country house, and sure. um, the people start getting murdered. And it opens with a like a body supposedly falling from the roof, and then we had a dummy rigged <laughs> to the um, the uh, whatever you call those things at the, no, at no. the top of the yeah. theatre, um, and it was rigged to, to drop. But um, uh, sometimes it didn't work. Sometimes it didn't drop at all, and so mm. there was a contingency for that. You know, if 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 it just didn't drop. Yeah. But the sometimes what would happen is it would it would drop, but it would get snagged on something. Mm. So the you know it was a it was a dummy of a person with clothes. And on this is the first like thing that happened. This on is stage. The f- pretty much the first right. thing that happened after the op- there was a big opening number, and um, uh, and and the first thing that happened was that the the thing would drop, and um, if it if it snagged. Mm. In in that horrible situation, in that unlikely situation that it would that it would fall but get caught. The problem is no one would know when it would really drop because you wouldn't know. It might just land on someone's head. Yeah. Um, because the you know you, you'd be essentially waiting for the the cloth to wear through or something like that. It might not fall at all. But right. the fact is that the, the that the, when it falls is suddenly outside of the, the control of the production. And in that event, the show was just to be stopped. 
Right. The curtain was supposed to close, and uh, and they'd, someone would have to get a stepladder, go up, get the thing down, mm-hmm. and then the show could continue. Right. I thought it's never really going to happen. And the, um, the the way that that was supposed to be communicated to the cast and the audience that this was going to happen was that the stage manager would whisper because I, just because of where I was sitting at the piano, mm-hmm. the stage manager would come up and you know give me some kind of <laughs> special <laughs> special code or yeah. I can't remember you know would, would say something. Um, or, or some gesture, and um, and then I would have to say, imagine this, imagine not, mm. like, on stage, having to just announce that you're going to have to stop the show, and and, and uh, it's the kind of thing that happens in your nightmares, and, yeah. and, and then it happened, one one time it happened about five nights into the run, um, the, the, the thing, it dropped, but it got snagged, and I had to sort of, mortified, had to interrupt the scene and go, sorry everyone, we've got to stop the show. Oh, God. oh that was horrible. Nightmare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... And um, yeah, the, the minute you, st- there's so many things that can go wrong. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. And we turned up in Edinburgh, and all of the things that you know, the the the, the sound desk that was supposed to have been pre-programmed mm. with all of the levels, it turned out that they didn't, that whatever thing they programmed it into didn't work on the desk there. Mm. We had a different sound person every night who didn't know the show and was following a God. script. And then so you and and they would only turn people's mics up if they could see them and you know the whole everything everything went wrong every night yeah. you couldn't hear people because the radio mics the, the sound system didn't work right the way we expected it to yeah and so people would come they wouldn't be able to hear what was going on um, it would start really late every night because of all sorts of technical problems right that the, the whole thing it was it was over ambitious and mm. um, I learned a lot from doing it how much orchestration did it have was well it, it was it was a four four piece band four piece so band, it was. Um, uh, yeah, me on the keyboard, uh, bass, um, mm-hmm. guitar, lead guitar, and drums. Right. So there's four of us. We ended up subsequently doing it uh, at Leicester Square in the big room upstairs mm-hmm. um, with the whole orchestra mm-hmm. as right. a kind of um, semi-staged reading, which was much nicer because you, you, you mm-hmm. know, we did it, you know, all in tuxedos and mm-hmm. uh, did it as a sort of big show. And that's actually, if you look on iTunes or something like that, you should mm-hmm. find that somewhere. Yeah. Right. We did that. We put that out for free as a. Uh, I should nice emphasise that point more. Live recording to people. Yeah, <laughs> if you can look on iTunes and they would type in "gutted," I imagine so. If you put in yeah. "gutted" and "musical" or something, yeah. I think you'll mm. find it. Um, yeah, and you can buy the video. Or you can buy the audio. Uh, the video. No, right. oh, sorry, no. What did I say? No, the audio. The audio. You can so buy the audio, audio recording. Yeah. There's no video. Of it. So the tuxedo is really not necessarily. No, but you, you kind audio. of imagine that. That's the way we did, we didn't do it. But um, if you buy the audio, imagine the tuxedo. Yeah, imagine yeah. It, imagine everyone kind of standing around. It's like like a, like an old you know radio recording or something yeah. sure. like that but well, I mean the, the, the musical the, the book of Joby's quite do very much like that the kind of all the stage directions are part of the I don't wear a tuxedo okay. everyone kind of wears black for that it's we wear black tuxedo, yeah we yeah. had halos and horns that was the only problem but it's everyone stood oh, in the light yeah. And, yeah. it's really good it's really good uh, obviously like this, it's either done that way or extreme yeah, elaborate exactly. staging you can't really have a middle ground because that's certainly what I thought with Joby it was, it was like there is no way of staging it as a small show with a small budget, you can either stage it as st- people standing in line yeah. and me telling you. About you the either elephant. leave everything to the audience's imagination, but well, there's, there's nothing worse than something yeah. that looks like it's meant. And that, this was the problem with Gutted: is it right. looked like it was meant to be more expensive. It looked sure. like a, it looked like a compromise sure. yeah. on stage. You know, the staging looked like a compromise. If you'd done it completely minimal, yeah, it, it's fine. The, the, the budget's all in the audience's mind. Then mm-hmm. they can imagine a big explosion or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've got, and that I'm reading out. You know, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. explaining on, in, in our show about how the, you know the, the elephant that would be there, right? And, and yeah, you know the, yeah, the, yeah. the massive realization of Dante's Inferno with midgets and and like police, gay policemen dancing. And, yeah. and, like, with, the, with the whole thing, but like again, just but, but I think if you had like one midget, it would look rubbish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, you either have the full 
Yeah, complement of midgets. Yes. Yeah, I'd need I'd need at least a hundred <laughs> with, no with little horns. Yeah. 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 Is midget the offensive one or is dwarf the offensive? I can't remember which is more offensive. I think dwarf is the one to use now, isn't it? I should have, should have said dwarf then. Well, we we were using it in the context of old-fashioned theatre. So yes, it's it's deliberately um, offensive. It's one of those. Hmm. But you've got to be careful now. You've got to be careful. It's going, going on the internet. <laughs> don't, know, don't know what's going to happen. Might get told off by somebody. By midget, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've talked I've... ourselves into a black hole. Well, I've done it. I've, I've talked us into, a, <laughs> so it into feels an alley. Like... Let's all back out of the alley. <laughs> you can leave me in this alley if you'd like. Yeah, anywhere else to go. With I'll you. just sit in this alley with some it midget. It feels like, um, because of all the, the way that musical theatre is now in the West End, that it's that there isn't really a path to getting to do a West End show anymore unless it's unless it's you know Queen or yeah. it feel, it feel, it's, I think that's actually a terrible shame because there is a tradition of it in England that's kind of and I, I've, over the last eight years I've met every now and then I meet someone like you obviously Simon can do it too every now and then I'll meet someone else who's really good at it who just can't really see the path to doing it not the middle ground but mm. the full on musical and they have this material and you think this is kind of shame this is a shame that this there's not like an entrepreneur somewhere going this is clearly marketable i'm sure we can turn this into this something is, i think it's the risk of some, i don't know the channel four did that series mm. recently i don't know if you watched any of them i about saw some of it various yeah. shows of different sort of scale yeah. you know mm. all, all being put on and uh, and the, the amount that they can lose you know this thousands of pounds so a night you know so yeah. so it's really is the, the, it's cheaper to pull the plug on these things and mm. yeah. claim the insurance I mean, to getting getting a band that Producer everyone likes and then style. stunt casting it mm. is just yeah that, that's the only way to guarantee well, to, because, to not quite but almost guarantee i suppose that. one of the other options i mean if you can't even to... guarantee that people will come to a spice cast musical if, you, if that even can't be yeah, guaranteed yeah, yeah, that's, that's weird such isn't it? a risk yeah yeah i, suppose, I, mean, I guess it was bad I, mean, I, don't, I, mean, I didn't obviously see it but if that I is so if that is so tied up to the fact that the actual theaters cost a lot of money what you could do is you could form a theater company that does you know all this good work and a bit yeah. like at school when they don't have the building and then build a, like a little caravan type thing, build a theater out of like right. IKEA stuff, <laughs> and then dismantle it. Money though, isn't it? Yeah, but if you had like an entrepreneur who was prepared to pay for that, then take it down so that you didn't have to pay. If for you it had a mad time. entrepreneur, a suicidal entrepreneur who wanted to give away all his money <laughs> for nothing and make none back. If you had that, yeah, that'd be amazing. We need patrons like in the olden days, you know, like like mystery benefactors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I think that I think that definitely that that patronage is not necessarily (laughs) to be frowned upon. I think that they're like I think tastemakers. That's the thing. There is a problem. There's a problem with the arts council. Is it has really bad taste. Mm. And like the arts council is supposed to replace patrons. I mean, that's what it's for. Mm. Is to do the job that patrons used to do, but it does it badly because its taste is awful. And you kind of the kind of unfairness of having some random mad rich person being responsible for picking what goes. I, I suppose what, what I always think like I don't really like much of that Saatchi art, the, the, the art that Saatchi likes. You know, it's not something. I mean, some of it, like, there's the odd bit that I, I'll really like, but you can't deny that the biggest thing that happened in like British art was down to one bloke's eccentric taste. Yeah, so, but that he's sort of monopolised that. Which he kind of because has. it's also a terrible thing because it means that if you yeah. sell something, that artist's career is finished. True. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so you can't have that. That's 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 poisonous. Yes, I suppose it is. But uh, but if there was, it's nice for a if there was, if there was a way for the artist to to, to to suddenly get. Well, I mean, are we talking? About, are we talking do? about benefiting the artist directly, or are we talking but, about benefiting society? Because I, mean, I suppose the one view would be that even if it can be 
drastically unpleasant for that one particular artist. The amount of if you just in terms of policy, right? If you're a Tory government minister in charge of the Arts Council, would you look at it as a case? Well, my job is to. I suppose they would say my job is to increase the benefit that art brings to the economy as a whole. Mm. And I would say that Sarchi certainly did that. You know, he created a, an, a moment. Created an industry, maybe, or, or created yeah. an economy. Yeah. I suppose, I, I suppose I'm just trying to think, well, is there a way of... He created a business. He created, well, a, he created a successful business. That's, I think that's the best analogy. But, uh, but I suppose, I mean, is it any more or less so than the Medici's created a business in Renaissance Florence and we're still benefiting from that? Be careful, you're walking into my specialist area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're talking about. But, but okay, well, yeah, but all the, all, the great, all the great Renaissance art is kind of constructed as a way of... Don't argue with me about the Medici's. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you don't know who you're talking to. Are you a Medici? No, I have no idea what you're talking about, sorry. The Medici. Ex- explain what you mean. Florentine. They're a Florentine, but you know, basically... Like the biscuits? Yeah, basically they were these little... They were more like the egg dish. Um, and they were basically these like the hollandaise and spinach-based like dish. Yeah. Um, basically some hollandaise and some spinach in 15th century Italy got together and said, let's make a painting. Um, but we're terrible at that. And... Uh, being being Holland, being a source and a vegetable, we have no ability in that direction. So let's instead pretend to be wealthy merchant families who who run princely kingdoms in what will later become Italy, and let's spend all our money on having artists erect things to our glory. Um, and, you know, and as a result of that kind of the particular taste of these few families, especially the Medici's in Florence, because of their peculiar taste, you get all the art which we now look at as the greatest art that was mm. in that period. Uh, you know, uh, probably not likely that people will be going, oh, the Chapman Brothers, that is the art that I that I will have on my wall in 400 years' time. Possibly not. But at the same time, there was kind of a moment in art. And yes, it may have been a business, it may have been um, mercenary, and it may have been largely motivated by profit. But the Medicis were largely motivated by, you know, cementing their own vaguely authoritarian control of city-states, and they weren't motivated by anything good. And nevertheless, they created this moment of art which has echoed mm. down the centuries and inspired everybody. And you wonder if... I don't see much that the Arts Council sponsors doing that. And despite the kind of inherent negative traits of Sarchi's effect on the art world, if there was, say a massive tax break for patronage. If it was treated the same as charity, for example, would that encourage more Sarchis to, for their own base negative reasons, create more moments of significance in the movements of culture? Maybe even, like, less... That might lead to a new golden age in some less way. Less rich mm. ones. Like, less less rich people than Sarchi who have a bit of money to play with and have this incentive to patronise the arts. Um I don't know. I don't know whether. I, suppose I, just don't, I just don't know if it's a good use of public money to to have to like erect uh, an insulting slab outside a council estate in Liverpool. That's my favourite piece of public art. One of the one of the council estates in Liverpool. It looks like the monolith. Basically, in, um, an artist and he basically put the monolith from two thousand and one <laughs> as if saying, "Perhaps this will civilise you, you fucking northern monkeys." And it was like, rare. but you know, but I don't <laughs> think that's rather rude, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite really, insulting. Yeah. yeah, but you know, I'm not sure that was a particularly useful use of public funds. But if those public funds had been presented in the form of a charity-style charity tax break for patronage among the wealthy. I don't know, I'm just trying to solve... This probably isn't the... Is, it, is there a music equivalent of, 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 of Sarchi? Is there, is there an analogy for that? In the, well, you, I don't like, think there is. Simon of Cowell the, or something like that. Is that a... Well, no, because I, I think music was a profitable business. Until, Simon Cowell's a bit like... Because he's the sort of kingmaker now, isn't he? Or, or his ilk, you know, that, that, that whole kind of... 
I think you know is 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 it's one man's taste in music, or rather one man's taste in. I don't think it's the same. I think Cal show business. I think Cal has nailed the problem because the problem. I think the problem with music was that it um, the business model collapsed largely due to scarcity and relative scarcity of production, and that you had this thing that happened that happened where the amount of people able to create music. Whereas the basic demand is not for anything particular other than some beats to, to put on while having a dinner party. Mm. And there's a sort of, you know, about £100 a year from a lot of people for music and the ability to create the music that those people would spend that money on massively increased and the demand remained pretty much constant. Mm. So there was no longer scarcity power. The companies could no longer make money selling music. So Simon Cowell turns along and goes, well, I can create scarcity by giving a narrative to beats. So he takes three minutes of of doom, 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 and adds, and which is not scarce because anyone can do that on the computer, but he adds the narrative of, oh, my granddad's died. Yeah. And then suddenly the where where there was no scarcity, scarcity exists, and that's where the value comes from. So he's able to revaluize music. But I think that's quite the same as kind of the loss-making enterprise that is the Saatchi patronage thing. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think, I think music probably would have to be... Because music is sort of... It's still to an extent profitable, whereas like visual art... Uh, is less profitable, I suppose. I don't. As in, it's it's. I, I often, I'm, I'm, perhaps you feel the same way, but mm. I often feel I was kind of born twenty years too late. You know, though, or, or maybe even yeah. thirty. That, 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 like, if if this was the seventies now, I'd be cleaning up. Yeah, I think. Uh, totally. And, uh, I like to think. Uh, and totally. I, I, I sort of feel that uh, that uh, there is absolutely no place for what I do. I think that's possibly true. It doesn't stop me from doing it. Yeah, yeah. it shouldn't. But I do it at my own expense and. Yeah. Um, you know, for, for for my own amusement, rather than because yeah. I feel that I'm fulfilling a a need somewhere. I think that if you have the need to, I mean, without wanting to sound sort of hokey, I think if you have the desire to make it, you should make it. That's kind of the as in make the product. Yeah, make it. yeah. I mean, because because the thing is, I, I, you know, we got very good at making stuff and. That's what we're good at. So we make. I like, stuff I like making and... records. I like the process of yeah, making records. Yeah, yeah. It does kind of it demolishes the idea that of like shining talent into an extent. Because I mean, you know, it's, we're like, as you say, you're twenty years born, twenty years too late. But you know, imagine not being British or American, and imagine being the greatest, you know, in Fay indie rock frontman who ever lived, and being born in Ethiopia. Imagine the horror of that. Yeah, <laughs> just forget. It. But that must happen all the time, just by the law of averages. Probably, the, you know, someone who make, make Jarvis Cocker look like a sort of clumsy barker is being know. born every day in Thailand. And yeah. what are they going to do? They can't form a band. They can't form a British indie band. No, I think that about Jim Davidson as well. I'd like to take him aside. I just feel sorry for him because he's so brilliant at being a horrible racist, sexist dickhead. <laughs> but he's so he's like the best ever at it. But now the whole world says, "Well, we don't want that at all anymore." It's like being amazing at whaling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Imagine being amazing at whaling. Oh, I'm so good at whaling. Yeah. No outlet. Yeah. People have stopped requesting things. Yes, they have. We've run out of things to play that people have requested, so yeah. we're now just going to start at like track one of the album <laughs> and just keep doing that through 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 all the albums until people request things again. Excellent. That's a good uh, idea. I was trying to think of a way of resolving. We could, well, maybe we should go right, right, play our first play like waiting for Pete Doherty to die, and then all the first album second. <laughs> Oh, and just keep doing that. Play all the really bad ones yeah. that we hate. <laughs> but no, for now we'll go. We'll go back to the earliest one we can stand. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> 
travels the wilds of West Texas. It's free as the wind, and it's always alone. And it rolls through the cities like no one had built them. Nothing that's built is a tumbleweed's home. I hear <laughs> okay, this is the first time I've sung since the cold. Oh. You'll be alright. It's that sort of voice that does it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping this in. Okay, alright. We'll should we carry on from the beginning or should we just carry on? No, no, just carry on from the beginning. Yeah, yeah alright. Maybe I won't do quite so long an introduction this time. It'll be, no, if I do a really long introduction, then immediately copy. It will be comically more satisfying. But I. <laughs> Then, so now I'll tell you about the animal. <laughs> that was more black. <laughs> I was going for like sort of um, what's his name with in the, he's in the Golden Compass, the fellow with the, the stuff. Sam. 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 Uh, oh, oh, that's oh. annoying. Oh, that is annoying. He's in that's the Big Lebowski. Isn't he's he? in the Big Lebowski as well. Sam. <sighs> Sam. I want to say. H. Oh. I want to say H, Sam H, something. But. Sam. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> That's our automated mode. Wow! I thought it was brilliant, and then Simon. I wasn't, think it's brilliant. He wasn't so pleased. With I it used it in an actual were... recording. That's how brilliant <laughs> I am. He, he grew to like it. No, it's great. We'll talk about him in a minute. Sam, anyway, fella Sam. We'll have to look that up. But um, fellow Sam, I was thinking was going for that, but mm. I ended up just sort of being a little bit racist, <laughs> which I didn't intend to be. Um, anyway, imagine Sam. Oh, I've, oh, I've lost. Hey, my... I'll go and sing you song. Oh, no, I didn't do it very well either. Oh, I need trying to kind of a redneck sound. I was or... trying to come out and kind of, well, then, son, I'll tell you a little story now racist. about yeah, but I kind of I started like that, and then I was like, well, "I'll tell you a story now." And that wasn't cool anymore. So, oh no, I want to go it's quite a fine line, isn't it? Yeah, sit y'all down in the plantation now. And it's like, it's just, but but I was going for more west of that. Yeah. And now I remember fella coming here by the name of. Uh, uh, now listen to your daddy. He's gonna sing you a song about that the hour. Can you do it Chinese? <laughs> <laughs> just to get everybody. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh! <laughs> Brilliant. Um, who's left? I can talk It's German style. Tumbleweed travels the wilds of West Texas It's free as the wind and it's always alone And it rolls through the cities like no one had built them Nothing that's built is a tumbleweed's home And I hear there are folks who sing national anthems That pledge them forever to kings and to queens Here there ain't no king, we only got country and desert and us and the old Santa Ana tucked in at the mission for their liberty And men in the north had had their revolution In pretty words written and overboard sea 
An old credit cards into plectrums. It's a very useful thing because on the on the occasion where you've forgotten all your plectrums, but have nevertheless remembered to bring old credit cards <laughs> and your plectrum puncher, you'll never be in a jam again. <laughs> yes. But I quite like it. Excellent. Yes. Yeah, so what else that. can you turn into plectrums? Um, anything really that is is, is quite heavy duty. So wow. I, I tried a bit of old Toblerone box that worked, but then didn't work as plectrum. I thought you were going to say pieces. a bit of old Toblerone. <laughs> 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 that probably work. A probably work. Well, definitely an after eight, I reckon. <laughs> it wouldn't last long as a plectrum. No. It makes this sound. It's satisfying, isn't it? It yeah. is, and, it's a <clears throat> and it fires them out, and they go flying. Um, <laughs> on stage plectrum punching. So you know, if you if you've got any old credit cards, I can. There's a. An old AA membership card there. Yeah. Yes, that was, <laughs> I, I didn't know that. they existed. That's a lovely idea. Yeah, it's a good yeah, stocking filler, present. definitely. It's more than a stocking filler. Yeah. Oh god, singing's hard, isn't it? <laughs> well, when you haven't done it for a little while, it definitely is. Yeah, you get that little edge of ooh. Mm. Yeah, no, that's gonna that's gonna make you cough. Don't cough. Don't <laughs> cough. <laughs> Don't cough. Don't cough. So that's what sound checks made the main reason for sound checks. I think is mm. to get all the coughing out. Why, why doesn't it happen on stage? Why, why are there things that, when, if you like recording, you're singing to yourself at mm. home, and there's all these sort of things? Is there kind of does your like sneezing and things? You know, sneeze in the middle of a song. Have you ever sneezed in the middle of a song? Yeah. Really? I have I, kind of sort of gone like a lady. I've had really? asthma attacks in the middle <laughs> of a song. the piano. Yeah. <laughs> lady sneeze. Yeah. <laughs> Lace hanky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> lady sneeze just sounds like something <laughs> really oh, un- just. No. Uh, no, I've had asthma attacks in the middle of a song before. Really, but and sort of gone, and but I tried to make it look cool, like yeah, and hey, look, yeah, fuck you, shh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. It, it's not cool. That was really cool when I was little. Inhalers. I, yeah, like kids. Are, but I think it's probably because of the Goonies that the kid in the Goonies right. had an inhaler for some reason. That was a cool thing. And he takes that so much in the Goonies. Yeah, he's 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 on that inhaler. You know, really, that is supposed to last twenty four hours. That inhaler, and you know, it's, it's a. If you're taking it that much, he's close to death. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, his heart must be going. Well, cause it does. If you're a child, and you take too much ventilin. It does make your heart race. But also, he takes it like every time any dramatic moment needs underscoring, he's on that inhaler, and he yeah. shouldn't be. Especially in America, because they cost hundred pounds a go. He's bankrupting yeah. his family. You know, wonder they need to find. It's just to pay for the his, balloons. Yeah. his ludicrously overapplied the... asthma medication. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you have a favourite band when? When uh, do you have a favourite band? In your life, now, like, your num- like the one that you would be kind of uncomfortable around because of their their favouriteness. Yeah, I uh, brought them probably the, the, the Pet Shop Boys. They were they were my big favourite band when I was mm. when I was young. Yeah, like the first sort of album I bought was a Pet Shop Boys album. Right, I mean actually, wow. um, and uh, yeah, I've met Neil Tennant twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, once was in Tower Records. That dates the anecdote right. in Piccadilly Circus. 
um, and he was browsing the films and shows section, as as indeed was I, <laughs> unsurprisingly, in, in perhaps, and um, uh, and I was so starstruck. Yeah. And this is before. I mean, I'm I'm alright. I've, I've you know since getting show business, I've I've, sure. I've, I've messed messed a lot of sort of sort of well known people, and um, I don't really get starstruck anymore. Um, but I think I would still be really mm. nervous around him. But I was very nervous at the time. And um and I just I, I, I think I can like, tug his jacket or something like that. He's really tall, and um, he? yeah, he's really I tall. No, he's yeah. really tall. And um, uh, <laughs> as is Martin Carr from the Boo Radleys, really, really? tall. Um, he did he did that's, uh, that's even more surprising. He did he did one of our gigs at the, the, the Boogaloo over the summer sure. last year, and um, it was um, he was a you know big hero of mine sort of back mm. in the nineties. You know, he's a big sort of songwriting hero. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he, he came down and uh, played with the orchestra. At, uh, he finally accepted my invitation after years of right. hectoring. He finally came down, and um, but he's really tall. I didn't imagine him being tall for some reason. Mm. But um, Ben Neil Tennant, and, and I was like, oh, I'm a big fan, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, 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 and chuckled and said thank you, and that was it. And then uh, years later, um, I was at a um, terrible, there's this, this club night, these, <laughs> this terrible Electro Clash club night called Cash Point, with a K, um, <laughs> which was run by the other half of Lee Bowery's old... Um, oh, OK, sure, uh, yeah. What were they called again? I've forgotten now. But... Um, he was, uh, I, I can't remember that man's name either. Anyway, um, uh, and um, uh, and I was, there was hardly anyone there, and I, I was at the bar, and um, I was there with a friend to see the band that we wanted to see, or um, someone's friend's band or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was at the bar, and who's next to me? Neil Tennant. And um, uh, but the mu- and, and, and he he just said something to me, and the music was so loud that I cool. couldn't hear what he said. Um, uh, uh, he just leaned over and went blah 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 <laughs> like that, and and I just went oh, <laughs> yes <laughs> yes, and then I, you know when you when you kind of like you don't want to keep saying what what what, and so you just pretend you've heard what they've said. Yeah. Um, and uh, and that was the end of that. So that's the other time I've met Neil Tennant. But I think right. if I um, uh, if I yeah, he's one person I would get quite. Wait, when you around. met him the first time, did you say <laughs> I, I wouldn't normally do this sort of? Hey. I mean, you'd pay to have It's a sin, but you know, I don't know. <laughs> Who's, are these people? Keith always likes to go up to people and like misidentify their band. Oh, which is on purpose. Oh my goodness! Uh, you just go up to like Jimbo. Hey, unbelievable! Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Ned's atomic dustbin. He's a good. He's a good. He's a He's a good. Excellent. Do we think we're done? I don't know how long we've done. I think so. I, I wouldn't mind you playing one more song, I think. But... This is a song about um, uh, how you're not allowed to play... Um, I did a terrible one-man show, really, really awful, poorly received mm. um, show. Uh, uh, <laughs> trying to combine my love of conspiracy theories. I'm a big conspiracy theory fan. And, we like, um, like all the same I, stuff. I, I love, I love, I love yeah. a conspiracy theory. Love a, you know, I, love, I like a well-thought-out conspiracy theory. You know you know when... Mm. Well, you know, the, the one that actually has you going for a bit. Yeah. You know, one way you think, hang on a minute, like Absolutely. the one, the really good one about how Stanley Kubrick faked the moon landings and mm. and made The Shining as an encoded confession. Yeah, no, I love that. It's amazing. It's amazing because it sort of makes sense when you watch the film. It actually, oh, yeah. the, anyway, I love that kind of thing. Mm. But anyway, I, I did a, a show about that, and it was all about how um, accordions were, were somehow linked. My favourite to... is how the Pond de l'Alma is an ancient Merovingian sacrificial site, and that's why she was she was killed there. Wow, is that like a Dan Brown sort of thing? Or it's, it's more that the reason that they had to take out Diana was because she was um, a steward and the stewards go back to the Merovingians. No! And that, um, the idea was that because it was a kind of anti-Jacobite plot 
and that the reason that they deliberately chose the Pont de l'Arma because it was an ancient sacrificial like thing. Yeah, well, I don't think that is Dan Brown. It's but the kind of thing that would have happened. Wrote, yeah, but it is that kind of thing. And yeah, there are people genuinely believe that one. That's a good one. Anyway, I yeah. did a thing making fun of all that kind of thing where I tried to connect accordions to various uh, famous conspiracy theories and tried to explain that accordions were actually left on <laughs> left on Earth by aliens as a way of for us to communicate with them. Sure. But also they're responsible for the decline in the bee population and you're not allowed to play accordions near beehives. And this is the, and this is supposed to be a um, like a kind of song that beekeepers teach their children. Okay. Um, okay. So let's start again. B flat. B flat, B flat, B flat. What do you call a tiny hive that only houses four or five? It's a B flat, B flat. It faces south and it is sunny, which is good for making honey. It's a B flat. B-flat It is the size of a matchbox It has five tiny doors and locks It's a B-flat B-flat Conveniently for the bees There are five tiny sets of keys To the B-flat B-flat One day a bee, just for fun Brought home a bee accordion To the B-flat B-flat He played G's and C's and D's And all around were dancing B's In the B-flat B-flat But when he played a B The B stopped dancing suddenly In the B-flat B-flat When he went down a semitone Let the B stop dancing one by one They were dead! B-flat 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 B-flat, B-flat, B-flat In the eyes of beekeepers, accordionists are all grim reapers So don't play B-flat, B-flat They don't want us near the hives, they want the bees to stay alive So don't play B-flat, B-flat So let's all doff our caps in memory of bees departed Especially the ones that we have murdered since we started singing B flat, B flat, B flat, B. Good. I'm sorry we stopped for that one bit. We yeah, yeah, we, we, we were, what we were both doing was going, was oh, should we change it? Oh, let's oh. change it. No, oh, no but we don't have to because it actually works. It's just other chords that those notes fit into yeah, as well. Yeah. <laughs> I should have known that, that you would have thought about that in advance. Yes. Martin, if people want to give you money and you can exchange for goods and services, how can they do so using the internet or um, other non... I'll go to the mysteryfaxmachineorchestra.com and click on the PayPal links and buy a record and send it to me. You can get them mm-hmm. uh, digitally as on well. Corporate uh, on corporate records. Yeah, there's, can... there's some Mystery Fax Machine Orchestra stuff mm-hmm. and also my early solo album. I did these accordion Ooh. solo albums, um, so they're quite old now, um, when I first started playing the accordion. So if, you, if, you've enjoyed, if you've enjoyed what you've heard today and only that, like, exactly. I'm not interested in anything, not, it's if, not if, him if, and an accordion. Exactly. Don't, don't fucking sell me any violins or any of that shit. No, <laughs> exactly. Accordion and him, if that's what I want. If you're an accordion and Martin purist, yeah. Yeah. Then, <laughs> they, yeah, then corporate records. And it's uh, also on iTunes, but um, don't do that because I get almost no money. Yeah. Um, so if you that. want to support me and my efforts, then uh, I ideally get them directly from me. Any shows coming up? 
Um, no, I need to really get some stuff in the diary. Mm. I um, uh, hopefully will do something soon. Um, yeah. Uh, the and us, that would be nice. Um, mm. And um, I've got some other collaborations sort of cooking away, but there's nothing really in the diary yet. Cool. January um, there never is. February they start yeah, being penciled in. January is a bloody cruel, month. cruel time, I think. Would you say it was the cruelest month? Um, I disagree well, with T.S. I'd say that. Well, I'd say that April is because April is the start of the new year. And if it's you not do as any, cruel as January or February, though. April is definitely do, not that cruel. Got the taxes. No. Yeah. yeah. Well, you do. Yeah, that's the problem. But also, like. Sure, it's all very well if you're all T.S. Eliot just staring out the window at cats going, oh, April, <laughs> April's fine. If you do, um, in yeah. terms of financial years, yeah. if you do shift work, April. Yeah. April is cruel in that there is no work because no one takes any holidays, so your additional services yeah. required are not required. So it is cruel in terms of finance. Do you think that's what no Eliot was thinking of? Maybe he was like, you know, these people who work on shift, shift bases, I think perhaps they have no money in April. Yeah. Mm. Maybe, Excellent. as T.S. Eliot famously said. Yeah, often, <laughs> yes. often. When this was... podcast could do with an Ezra Pound. Yeah, probably. Could could. Just come into the podcast and yeah. cut away all the nonsense yes. and just yeah, reduce exactly. it to some barely comprehensible. <laughs> In here, playing the accordion. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Thank yeah, you for thank coming. You very much. Thank Goodbye you very from much. us. Goodbye from me. Bye. Bye bye.